0: To another Bible service. Welcome to our living room. I know you wish we could be back in church already. Me too. Sorry, not yet, but we're getting there. I had some wonderful feedback, so thank you for that. It always helps. I heard there's some echo if we do the recordings in church, so that's why we're sitting here today. Hopefully you can hear a bit better. I also heard that some people struggle with a bit of a, a lag on the video, if that is the case for you today. You might try just to stop the video, rewind it a little bit, and then it hopefully will be better. Thank you for inviting me into your home today. It's good that we can be together, even if it's like this. Today we gather around from near and far. We are the people of God. Though we differ in language, custom and tradition, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. For there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We are one in God's spirit. We are one, and together we remember our Lord Jesus. For we are the people of redemption. He gave himself up for us, so we could be reconciled to God. Come, let us worship the God of our salvation. Why are we here today? Today we are together to give praise to our Lord, the one who guides us. Today we are together to say, we believe in the one who died but rose again. We believe in God, the one and only. We believe in the Spirit sent to us, our constant companion. Today we will pray to show how dependent we are on the Lord. We will read from the word to open ourselves up for God's guidance and light. Today, we will have moments of silence to let it all sink in. We will say we are sorry. We will say we need you. We will open our hands and our ears and our hearts because we want to be people with teachable spirits who grow and move and become more because we are hungry, lonely, angry, desperate and want happy, content, and so we are here to be fed so that we can feed those around us. That's why we are here today. Let us pray. Dear Lord of beginnings and ends, God of our morning, noon and night, there are so many times during the day, during the week, where we fill our lives with so many things that aren't you. There are so many things we do and things we think of and act upon that, that we do not make you a part of. And so we are here to center ourselves and, and put ourselves humbly before you so that you can fill us, teach us, move us, show us who to be, what to do, how to grow. May we experience something of your presence, your love and guidance dear Lord we are we are so humbled by the fact that you have helped us through through one of the strangest, worst times in our world, dear Lord. we are so thankful for the fact that you are with us through it all. Thank you that new zealand can can feel can see that things are going better. We know that there are so many places in the world where people are still very, very much in need of your help and guidance. We know how many people are affected by, by COVID, how many people have lost their jobs and incomes and, and their health, dear Lord, and, and we ask you to be with them. Please, dear Lord, please be with us through this service. Please bless the fact that we are together in your name. We ask this all because you are the one and only Lord our God Almighty. Amen.
1: This reading is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8 verses 31 to 35 and verse 39. God's love in Christ Jesus In view of all this, what can we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Certainly not God, who did not even keep back his own Son, but offered him for us all. He gave us his Son, will he not also freely give us all things? Who will accuse God's chosen people? God himself declares them not guilty. Who then will condemn them? Not Christ Jesus who died, or rather who was raised to life and is at the right-hand side of God, pleading with him for us. Who then can separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble do it, or hardship, or persecution, or hunger or poverty, or danger or death? There is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Christ Jesus. Amen.
2: Dear Lord, we pray for our world in these unusual times. For countries that have a lockdown system in place. For countries who don't have lockdown protections in place for their people. For poor countries who can't afford to care for their people daily, let alone during a world pandemic. O Lord, open their government's eyes to your faith, hope and love. We pray for minority groups around the world. For those who don't have enough money or access to COVID-19 testing and treatment. For those who face constant persecution and now have a pandemic added to their worries. For refugees crowded together in camps without basic human needs and lost hope. For people for whom me is the focus of their lives. O Lord, open their eyes to your faith, hope and love. We pray for New Zealand, for those who have lost jobs and sometimes their businesses, for those who help the homeless and the hungry, for all essential workers who sacrifice time with their families and also risk their lives for their communities for people living alone during the lockdown, for decision makers, especially our government. Oh Lord, lockdown has meant a leap of faith to adjust to a restrictive lifestyle. However, we learnt to be grateful for the little things in life. Thank you for the warm smile from a stranger, the phone call from a friend, help with shopping, time for reflection. We pray for our northern suburbs and JUC communities. Help us to reflect how the giving to others part of lockdown life can be transferred into post-lockdown life. To quote Joy Joy Cowley, how often, when my own candle has gone out, has someone relit it from their lamp of kindness? O Lord, as we go into level two of lockdown, we are grateful for many things. Help us to remember to open our eyes to your faith, hope and love. Amen.
0: Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I love. you will also love. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. This is where we stop today. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Interesting to read this on the sixth Sunday of Easter, a text about the Holy Spirit. We are now entering an interesting part of the year. We are still thinking and talking about Easter, about to go to a session day and then the Pentecost. And so this is probably a text you would expect to read in the time of Pentecost. It almost feels like we should not yet talk about the Spirit and the work of the Spirit as if we should maybe stay in Easter just a little bit longer and then move on. Well, Pentecost is only two weeks away and it might be good for us to read this and to give ourselves time to get ready and move to the new chapter in this liturgical year where we focus on the Spirit. And this scripture is the perfect scripture to renew the awareness of the Holy Spirit in us. I listened to Thomas Keating say when we talk about the spirit we talk about the integrated expression of the tenderness of God. When we talk about the spirit we talk about the integrated expression of the tenderness of God. He says when we talk about the spirit it's like looking at the babe that at the hands of a baby. Yes they are small and soft and not capable of doing much. But those hands have the potential to become something great. Just think about what they might do. They might become the hands of someone who plays the piano, creates art, steers a boat with utmost skill. They might become the hands of a surgeon or a carpenter. And so it is with the spirit. The spirit in us has The potential to make us something much more than we are right now. The Spirit has the potential to take our small tiny hands and do something so much more with them. It helps us see and do and hear things we didn't in the past or in the present. And to be a part of this movement, this continuous moving and growing and evolving, developing We are asking for the Spirit to come to us and to fill us. When we talk of the word Spiritus, it implies movement, wind, breath. The Tezai song goes, Veni Sancte Spiritus. Come Holy Spirit, come. The Spirit of God, when it is sent out, is seen as the Spirit of Power. The power to, as we said, ignite the potential in each of us. The power to change and activate and help us. But when we go back to the scripture and the words that were used in what we just read, we will also discover different aspects of the spirit. So let's go back to the scripture for a moment. In what we just read, and if you reread it, you will discover a lot of interesting words. In times of change, when new things emerge, we find ourselves searching for ways to express what we feel. We want to, need to put into words what we feel, experience, and what we are aware of. Especially if these things are all new to us. Like this time where we are now, there are some things we feel. If experienced, seen and discovered that are new, unheard of and almost unreal. And and we get into these situations where we try to make sense of it all. The words we hear in this passage, if seen in the context of the time just before Jesus' session, we see something interesting because that is also new and unknown waters for the disciples. They don't know what this new chapter without Jesus will be all about. They don't know where it will take them. And so they too need to make sense of it all. Or at least try to. And so Jesus' words do just that. They help make sense of an unknown new time and chapter. So let's look at it bit by bit. First of all, we are uh, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father. If we read this the first time, it might seem that there's some sort of condition to the help of God. Let's do this, love me, then do something else, keep my commands, and then I will ask the Father. This is not what the scripture says. It's more a thing of, you will keep my commands. When you love me, it'll just flow out of you. Because you love me, you will stick to the will of God, the way of life that is set up for us. And in doing that, we will be so much more aware of the one God has sent to us. The disciples needed to hear this. Why? Because they heard that Jesus came to fulfill the commandments. That commandment commandments now is caught up in the love for Jesus. So what will they do when he's gone? Can the disciples still love Jesus even though he is away from them? And even more, can the next generation enter into such a loving relationship without knowing him personally? They had to talk about this. Because for many, the love they had for God is this mystical thing. And then it became very real and concrete in Jesus. And now, what do they do when when he's gone? And Jesus says, love for God means obedience to his commandments. And if the love of Jesus has been the subject of the disciples' life, his commandments will also live within them. It's one and the same thing. Therefore one can say that this love and the love for the commandments binds them to God and it's all in the same. So keeping the commands and loving God goes hand in hand. And then Jesus says to them, someone is coming to help you with this. Someone is being sent to you through the integrated expression of this infinite love of God to help. To help with all of it, with the idea of love and living a life that that gives out God's will, that follows God's will. And so the spirit that is sent will bring with him this gift or a lot of gifts that can help us evolve and develop Hands, simple, small hands into makers of great things. And so the one who is being sent is called, in this context, the advocate. The paraclete, traditionally. The paraclete, the the usage of this word, has been translated with the word comforter, consoler, helper. However, a stronger term is needed to put into words what John wants to convey. Because this word for the spirit, paraclete, advocate, goes two ways. On the one hand, it offers assistance to God's children. He first takes up their cause as a friend who provides legal aid. We hear the spirit is the spirit of truth. The one that fights and defends the truth. How are the disciples to know what the new life without Jesus will be like? How are they to know who to be, what to do in this life? They must first develop a new identity. They must understand themselves as the community of Christ when he's gone. Through the spirit of truth, they are convinced within themselves that they are the children of God, of the risen Christ. Without the Spirit, there is no way that they can understand themselves and their new task in this world. It is only the Spirit, the one with the truth, that can lead them into into their real truth, to reveal to them the content of the same Jesus who they knew on earth is the same one who will continue to be with them when they live out their calling. This is on the one hand, the advocate, the spirit of truth. And on the other hand, this paraclete is also the one who comforts. So at the same time, the believer's legal aid and the one who supports them is the one who is called, the one who answers the call. What a beautiful name, the one who answers the call. God is the one who answers to the cry of the weak and those in need. A mother becomes a paraclete when she answers the cry of her baby, cares and comforts for them. And so the paraclete is the one who gives to those who are lonely and in need of the presence of a friend. To those who are lost and poor in spirit and who cry out to the Lord. And so when there is this reference to the paraclete, we see another aspect of the spirit. Usually, like we said in the beginning, we see the spirit as the one that moves, that moves us into action. And here we learn about the one that takes away the anguish of loneliness. The The one that brings presence, security, peace, communion. Do you see the two aspects of God who loves and acts through the Spirit in us? The one who inspires us, urges us forward, and the one who also holds us, loves us, carries us, and dwells in us as we dwell in God. So yes, we receive the Spirit to offer us the truth of what we are to do Here, just as those disciples got the message of of who they are, the communion of Jesus, the community of Jesus, the ones who live his life further. But here we also get the Spirit, the one that offers us the truth of who we are. We are not left alone. Do not think of yourselves as orphans. The God who dwells in us as we live in this life through the Spirit will give us new and deeper peace. A peace that comes from the presence of God. Matthew 14 verse 27 Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, this peace is, is, as we know, not an absence of forces. It's not just that warm and fuzzy feeling inside of us. Just, It's not just the feeling of centeredness, wholeness, quietness, stillness, the absence of fear and conflict. Unfortunately, not this peace we will receive It is all of these things combined. It is the trust also that Jesus is with us in all of us. In all of this. For Jesus is our peace. And so with Pentecost, that's only two weeks away. Where where we will be called again and new to be moved and activated. But before we go there... Let's just listen to what the scripture tells us today. Because here we see when Jesus shows his disciples through his departure, that his love for them is more than just a mere physical connection. It is also a deep, deep emotional relationship. After Jesus' accession, the Holy Spirit comes not as a neutral power, but as a person, just like the Father, just like the Son. And he leads us and teaches us how the church should be and how it binds us to Jesus Christ in love, all in love. And it's not just the head thing. It's more than that. It's more than just the things that make sense to us. It is something we believe. It is born out of our love for Jesus Christ. What Jesus stands for who he is what he is to us in our lives that directs us and leads us and changes our lives and so also to help us with that just as with the disciples we hear these words you are not alone do not be afraid I will send someone for you To help you. To be with you. Isn't this some of the most comforting words in the world? You are not alone. I'm sending someone to you. When we hear these words, I am here with you. I think that's why we keep pictures in our homes of other people. It's why we carry things around with us that reminds us of other people so that we can be in this constant knowledge of the fact that we are not alone. That we have people in our lives even if they aren't physically with us. I think that's why it has meant so much to us to see people on Zoom and FaceTime and video calls over the last two months. To see that we are not alone. To hear someone's voice and finally this week to see someone. We know how great those words sound. I am here. You are not alone. And that is what God does for each and every one of us through the Spirit, and then with the Son, telling us, showing us, promising us those words, I'm here, in, these, in this uncertain time, in, in, in what is to come, you are not alone, please do not think that you are, do not act like you are, it is this lie we sometimes tell ourselves and each other, I can do this alone, if the last two months had taught us anything, it is that we cannot and should not do this life alone. We need each other. And so the Lord knows this too well. And so he sends us his constant companion. The one that wants to be in our decisions and words, our actions and our plans. In times of change, we need to make sense of what's going on. In times of unknown precedents and new normals. What will we do? Who will we be? Is there a word for how we should be and what we should do? When we don't know what the future will bring, when we don't know... How long changes that we've made will stay. How quickly we will go back to old habits. I read someone say this week, maybe in this time it is not about learning new things. Maybe it's about unlearning old habits. Maybe it's about unlearning the idea that we should or are alone. That we should do things alone. Maybe that should change. Maybe this will help us unlearn that idea and notion. These words of John 14. And so when we go into Pentecost, we will hear and see anew how we can make that promise visible to those around us. But for now, hear these words and take them to heart. You are not alone. I am with you. As we go out into this new week, we go with the words, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.